0: Yo, 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 what is up? What is up? What is up? Welcome back to Avery Sports Show. We're here talking with someone who has written a fantastic book on one of the now kings of Edmonton, Alberta. You know we all know him best as one Mr. Alfonso Davies. And the man who chronicled his life, his rise through the world of soccer, is the one, the only Farhan Devji, who's the author of Alfonso Davies. A new hope. How you doing today?
1: I'm doing well, thanks. Yeah, thanks.
0: Thanks a lot for having me. No, of course, man. I got to ask you. Just first off, what is it like to finally be done writing a book and have it go out? Because I know a book writing process. It can take months. It can take years. It can seem like it's never going to (laughs) end. Yeah. No.
1: No doubt. It it was definitely uh, an all-consuming thing and something that was really years in the making. Like I'd been work. Like I started writing the you know the manuscript um in 2021 but that being mm. said like it was this was something in the back of my mind even you know dating back to 2018 when I was you know still working at the Whitecaps and Alfonso was there too in the transfer to Bayern I Munich mean, just happened like that's what really kind of planted the seed in my mind and you know I started putting some thoughts on paper at, at that point so yeah you know five years in the making so you know to see it kind of finally come to life and to see it in stores like that's you know a dream come true um something I've been working towards so definitely a lot of excitement, a lot of pride, you know, a little bit of anxiety just to, you know, you hope, you, you hope you've hope you done the story justice, but so definitely a, a whirlwind of emotions.
0: As someone who saw him with the white Whitecaps as a teenager, this phenom, what did it mean for yourself to see him go from that to see him be someone at Bayern Munich who is now one of the best players in the world? Playing in Champions League matches and playing in Bundesliga.
1: Yeah, it was just really cool to to watch his progression because, like you said, we you know we knew this kid when he was fourteen years old when he <laughs> arrived in Vancouver. He was really just a kid, and um, you know you always hear about you know these players, the young players, and you know in Canada with, with a ton of potential. You have, you, have, mm-hmm. you hear these these big clubs that, you know linked to them from a young age, and you know all this hype, and then they rarely pan out, right? Like it, it, there's <laughs> so many things that need to go right in order for this, you know, for someone to play at the highest level and to win a Champions League and to play at Bayern Munich and things like that. So, you know, Alfonso's the one that made it, right? So just to see that and, you know, knowing him and, you know, his backstory and, you know, traveling to Edmonton and, you know, sitting down with his parents and, you know, them opening up about, you know, where they came from, just knowing all that, it's just, yeah, really, uh, really special moment, I think, for a lot of people to, you know, to see how far he's come.
0: No, of course. And for those who read the book, they're, re- they're going to realize quickly that really – even though Alfonso, yes, achieved stardom at as a teenager, he grew up very quick. He grew up very quick, you know, helping raise other siblings, having two parents who who worked all the time. You know, mm-hmm. it was really for Alfonso, it was, it was going to school, it was playing football, and it was growing up far faster than, you know, a 14 or 15-year-old really should. That really helped shape him, handle what it was like going to play in MLS, going to play for a Bayern Munich playing in Champions League games for him.
1: Hundred percent. Yeah, like you know, like like you mentioned, like you know, being in Edmonton. Like I think, like at, at every stage of his life and career, he's he's kind of mm-hmm. had to progress a lot, you know, further than than other other people his age. So even yeah, like you like you said in Edmonton, like when he was eleven years old, he was changing diapers and babysitting his his siblings who were like um, around three, and 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 an inf- and then the other one was like a newborn at that stage. So um, you think about that as an eleven year old or twelve year old, and like you know, his parents were working multiple jobs. So I I was told stories about like Alfonso having to go over to the Clairview Walmart to grab diapers and food and things like that. And, you know, making, you know, pepper soup and other kind of Liberian dishes um, for, for his siblings. Like just think about that as a 12 year old, let alone, you know, going to school, you are still trying to, you know, make friends and play soccer and learn the language and learn the culture. Like, Mm -hmm. and that's just the Edmonton side of it. Then you're, then, you know, you're 15 and you're all of a sudden you're a professional soccer player in Vancouver. You're you're learning how to become a professional, but you're still going to school, you have relationships, like you're learning how to drive and things like that. So, yeah, I I learned a lot about um, just the adversity, you know, and challenges he's had to overcome. Um, And that's something that's happened at at every stage of his career.
0: Of course, with the book, you know, it's interesting because we see our Talking Girls in Canada on TV, but so few people have really documented the story is like we're now seeing books of course your book we're now seeing books on uh bernan dunlop wrote the book on dwindy or yep. there's a book on Christine sinclair but so much of can talk history can soccer players are not documented at least when we're talking about book form
1: yeah this is one of the reasons why i, I wanted to do that i know alfonso is still very young right like the book came out when he was yeah. what 20 21 22 or 22 years old and i got some questions about like why why write a, write a book about someone who's so young well like look at his resume, like the yes. things he's accomplished. He's already one of the most decorated Canadian athletes of all time. And, and I compare it to like, there was a book about Sidney Crosby when, before he ever played an NHL game, there was a book about Connor McDavid very very mm-hmm. early on in his career. And like, so why, why not Alphonso? Like he's arguably the most, you know, famous Canadian athlete on, on the planet. When you, when you talk about, you know, the reach of, of football around the world. So yeah, like I, I think it's great to see all these books coming out. There's another there's another one that came out on the Canadian men's national team written by yes. Joshua Cloak. Like the Christine Sinclair book was, was fantastic, but like, she obviously deserves more, you know, more credit and more, you know, publicity than than anyone. So yeah, I think you know it's fine it's cool to see Canadian soccer kind of finally uh, get on that uh, that that mainstream level.
0: And it's funny how seeing how you see the girls of Alfonso's game, you see how he progressed in Edmonton and Vancouver. And it's funny because when he's getting more world attention, you you mentioned in the book how so many officials from all these world clubs would come to Edmonton. And in any other market, for the most part around the world, officials from Bayern coming to town would cause pandemonium. Not in Edmonton. <laughs> They're in the, in the airport in Edmonton signing contracts At midnight, and no one is giving them a second thought at all. That to me was just so funny. In terms of yes, Edmonton is a sports town, but certain things like that can still go unnoticed, and no one will give it a second glance. I thought that was so funny.
1: Yeah, (laughs) for sure. Yeah, that was. I I enjoyed. I enjoyed that. That too. Like literally, like you know, you have two of the biggest kind of decision makers from Bayern Munich, including their, their sporting director sitting you know they've laid down these contracts on the floor in this like public um just in the public viewing area at the edmonton international airport where, where all they're signing what they called himself one of the biggest soccer talents in the world at that time one of the biggest young talents and they have the contracts laid out on the floor signing it uh, at like midnight in the edmonton international airport like yeah, I, f- I found that quite fascinating too and yeah not no one you know turned an eye no one noticed them and and then they were off fa- on their way so yeah like um I, I, the, the comparison I made is if, if that was happening in, in Spain or Barcelona, mm. like, you know, if that was happening in, in Munich, like, uh, yeah, it would be, it would be a frenzy. Like the media kind of follows them everywhere they, they go. So um, yeah, it just goes to show what, what, an, what, what, an, what an improbable story this is, you know, coming from, coming from Canada, coming from Edmonton and, and going to the the world stage.
0: No, of course. And going through the fact that of course you, you and you see how well follows follow the sign, even though he was a talent, you know, he was a prodigy. You, you document how so many teams around the world still saw it as oh, Canadian, like that's whatever. Like, he Alphonse really broke down the perception that or the misconception that you shouldn't go for Canadians because we saw in the world stage that Canadians are never going to, or that the idea was that Canadian men's players aren't players you pay a bit a big money to, they're not targets to go after. Alphonse really was that first guy to really say, Hey. You know, teams in, in the Bundesliga, teams in La Liga need to pay attention to Canada because they're producing talent that wasn't here 15, 23, five years ago. For sure. Yeah. Like a lot of people I spoke to for the book,
1: like former national team players, like they said, like, you know, in the past, you'd have, as a Canadian, you'd have to be like not only better than these European players, but like two, three, four times better just, just to yeah. get a look. <laughs> and then oftentimes that, that that didn't happen. So, you know, I know there's been reports about, you know, Barcelona turning him down mm. because because he was Canadian and, uh, I spoke to the scout from Manchester United, who was kind of after Alfonso, and, and he, you know, he said that Alfonso, he, he, he was also the player who brought you know Christian Pulisic to to Europe as a as a young you know as a young player. So he said that Alfonso's has helped kind of change the way that these clubs in in Europe are are looking at Canadians. And now, yeah, you are seeing a lot more of them kind of break through now, like you know, following in the footsteps of Alfonso with people like from M- from M- MLS alone, people like you know and Buchanan. And, and Alistair Johnston and Ismail Kone. And obviously the, the World's World Cup success had a little bit to do with that too. But um, you know, Alfonso definitely helped to open that door.
0: No, it was amazing. And you know, it's funny because we talk about Alfonso. He's a, he's a big personality, he's done so many great things, he's gotten so many eyes on world football. But you point out the fact that when you get him in a setting that's really more like an interview, like Richard's interview settings, that's not really his style. He's really taking mm-hmm. back, he's putting out content on how on how he wants to see you like he's really rejected for the most part the traditional you know alfonso you're gonna go here and you're gonna sit down with a reporter for 25 minutes he's really redefined you know i can do that but i can do a lot more on my twitch channel in a commercial Mm -hmm. or on my own platform which is refreshing to see more and more as
1: yeah and i found that fascinating just like kind of speaks to the two sides of his personality because he is like he is this as we see on tiktok and stuff like very Mm -hmm. outgoing and you know entertaining and just full of life and, and that's authentic to him, but he has to be comfortable and he has to do it kind of on his own terms. Yes. Like when, when you get him in, you know, situations where there's a bunch of cameras in front of him and, you know, people, you know, older than him they're feeling, you know, different people in leadership positions. He definitely goes into his shell as, as it was described to me. And I think that's just part of his personality, but, John, on the media side, like Alfonso, had, you know, for, ever since he was 15, like he's done and he does a lot of these, a lot of interviews. Like he mm-hmm. does like, you know, he's done with like the national in Canada, like with the national, a yes. lot of, the, you know, McLean's he's done in Munich. He's done like CNN and uh, BBC and things like that. So he does a lot of these, but he won't do like the like the day to day, you know, after a game, post game interviews and stuff like that. Like, you know, those he, 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 he stays away from. Um, because he focuses on his own channels and he focuses on these kind of pre-planned interviews and I, and I think that's understandable like he's been doing this for, for a while and you know yeah like you said he is kind of changing the way that you know athletes um, you know communicate to their to their audience.
0: Of course you know with, with a book like this you've done so many interviews so many um, sit-downs with of course family members friends players agents were there any stories you thinking in yourself like oh I'm near the end and I don't have room to put this in was so the ones story you are like oh man it's, this has to be cut unfortunately but it's so good I want to find a way to keep it somehow but I just can't
1: <laughs> that's a good question um there there was one actually that comes to mind and you know obviously we have you know you're from Edmonton so yes. it, it was actually um back in Alfonso's youth soccer days um so one of one of the current people who works with them Cassim kimji um hmm he works. Your, in your kind friend of of mine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. He, he works in, you know, marketing in Alfonso's, you know, agency. Uh, he, he used to coach against Alfonso when Alfonso was in, was in youth <laughs> soccer. And then he told me this story. and I just found it hilarious. Like, so he's coaching against Alfonso and like the ref kept like, you know, kept calling fouls for, you know, on Casting's team against Alfonso. Like they were playing him hard. Like, you know, he was a good player. They're playing him hard. And then the ref kept, you know, fou- calling fouls on, you know, players um, on Alfonso for fouls on Alfonso. And then so Cassim gets mad at the referees like you know what are you doing like you 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 know this these aren't fouls that come on um and the referees like well you have to like you know protect you know good 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 players right like and i think he mentioned like Pele and stuff. like back in the day like referees would protect mm-hmm. the Pele and things like that and then cast like well there's, there's no Pele on the field here like come on uh and then he just found that so funny like you know 10 years later you have like the i mean Pele's in a, a stretch but like you have the Pele of all of, of, of canadian soccer right so yeah i thought that was a, a pretty good pretty good story
0: that's actually very funny and yeah he yeah. is like the Pele of Can- game soccer yeah because he is he is that figure that you're seeing now, representing uh, the men's team, and of course, going through what he's done. I and mean, You mentioned how, in the book, he is his speech, which is now lived on, in which he gave for the World Cup bid, and you go through the process with Alfonso of preparing that. And again, there's so many players who, at his age, would not want to give a speech in front of a delegation like that for a World Cup uh, a World Cup event, like Alfonso did. The fact that you document so well how calm and how composed he was to speak in front of so many figures in the sporting world for the World Cup bid is amazing. And again, it shows just the maturity that he has that a player in his early twenties or as a teenager wouldn't want that spotlight. And he embraced it for sure. He did, and yeah, and you
1: know, speaking of kind of the interviews I did, like the, as you as you'll probably as you probably saw, like one of the interview that one of you, sorry one of the interviews I did for that chapter was with the speechwriter he was working with, who happened mm-hmm. to be the. Former speechwriter for Barack Obama, so that was you know kind of a cool connection. But yeah, the speechwriter just like <clears throat> just hearing his perspective on on Alfonso and you know what made him you know what made that speech so powerful and you know was was I thought you know was just really stood out to me because it's someone who's worked with Barack Obama, one of the greatest speakers yes. we've, we've ever heard, and for him to hear him praise Alfonso for you know the way he handled himself uh, on that day, and um, you know one of the stories he told me was like uh, leading up to that event, like. The speechwriter was working with hands on with a lot of these, you know, the speakers who, as part of North America's World Cup bid, but but not with Alfonso because Alfonso was busy with the whitecaps at the time. So yes. they were a bit worried. But then the first, you know, he arrived, I think, the day or two before the event. And he said he just blew Alfonso just blew him away with his ability to, to kind of, you know, command a room and, you know, just, you know, his smile and, you know, putting his hand on his heart and just the way he delivered, you know, his speech and, and all those
0: things. So, yeah, that was definitely a, a big moment. No, that's amazing. And we we seen how Alfonso represented Canada and, and point out- you point out how Alfonso represents how multicultural Canada is and the entire national team has shown how multicultural Canada is and how Canada soccer, the look of Canada soccer has changed over the years. And you point this out to be quite blunt for a very long time. The national team history was one that was very white. As the years have gone on, we've seen more players playing the national team with West Indian heritage, South American heritage, African heritage. You now have guys like Ishmael Kone, you have Jonathan David, you have Tejan Alfonso, and his team represents truly more so now how diverse Canada is in the sporting world. For sure, yeah. I think that's one of the the
1: beautiful things about Alfonso's story. It was one of the beautiful things, I think, about the Canadian men's national team You know, playing uh, at this past World Cup, I think they really rallied around that like they, they were, you know, representative of all Canadians, like yes. they were, you know, a lot of them were, you know, immigrants themselves, or they were second generation Canadians, and a lot of them were were people of color. And, you know, mm. you had people, you know, with with roots in South America, in, in Africa, and, you know, all different parts uh, of the world. So, um, you know, I thought that was pretty cool, and you know, Alfonso was obviously uh, the face of that, and I think that just, and I think that's also why, like, you know, for them, I think a lot of people saw that World Cup as, as an opportunity to give back to Canada because you know Canada has given so much to them. Um, you know, Alfon- people like Alfonso and Milan Boryan spoke about this. Like Canada gave them so much, so you know, for them to kind of give back to Canada in the form of that World Cup. Like, like that, was, that was a big part of, of that story. It's
0: amazing. Of course, this is a book in which, of course, you were able to also include Canada going to the World Cup. And, and even for yourself, like what did it mean to see Canada three, six years make it to a men's world cup because there are, just, there are so many people who have watched soccer in this country covered it and never saw canada make a world cup in the men's side saw canada fall short so many times even just for yourself was like to see in that first game against croatia and realize that holy cow canada is finally here in a men's world cup
1: yeah it was really special like um you know even for me like I, i've worked in <laughs> soccer for like a, a decade and even beyond that, I've always, like, I've always been a fan of, you know, national teams in, in any sport. And mm-hmm. certainly that was the case in, in soccer. Like I remember like when I was a, a kid, like, um, you know, playing FIFA and we would always have these tournaments with my friends and I would always choose Canada, even though like they were not good in the game, I'd always choose Canada <laughs> and I'd usually lose. But like, I, you know, I always dreamed of seeing them in, in a world cup. Like I, I didn't know, I didn't think it would, I didn't know if it would ever happen. Probably didn't think it would ever happen. Uh, just with how, you know, um, have, you know, the failures of the past and how many you know dark days there were. So you know to see you know they hear the national anthem to see the Canadian flag you know at on, on the world stage and how many you know fans there were there and then and then to see Alfonso score you know the goal it just it just felt the first goal first goal for Canada at the World Cup it just it just felt poetic and um yeah, hopefully you know hopefully it's not a one-off and obviously there's 2026 coming up coming up and you know hopefully they you know keep pushing and and hopefully that's just the standard now.
0: No, hopefully. I mentioned how when they made the World Cup, you know, I went uh, to the pint downtown in Edmonton with some friends of mine to watch the game. And farhand the place was, it was, what, 7.30 in, 7, in the morning, down to Edmonton, freezing cold outside, and you couldn't find a... Pa- like, if you came late, you're out of luck for a seat. Like, it yeah. was packed on, a, on, what, was it like a, a Friday or Saturday? Like, it was amazing to see how... This was, a, like, I'm thinking myself, this is a crowd that you would see for an Oilers Cup final game. There's a crowd you'd see for Oilers playoff game. This is a mm-hmm. Team Canada national team game, World Cup, and you can't find a place in the bar. That, that, that was so amazing to see.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's the biggest sporting event in the <laughs> world. Like, the, the numbers kind of speak to that in terms of viewership and, and whatnot, right? Like, and and people in Canada have always, you know, followed the World Cup, but they've mm-hmm. but they've followed, like, different teams and whatnot, yes. or whatnot, right? It hasn't been, you know, whether it's England or Italy or, or whatever, like, you, you know in Canada was never even a thought so yeah just to see it, it was just like I don't know to me it felt like the Olympics all over again like when the Olympics were in Va- like in Vancouver like there was obviously a, a buzz and a hype around around that like that's what it felt like to me so yeah really uh really powerful moment and like I said, hopefully they can continue to build off that.
0: Do you feel you'll be able to write a part two or a sequel book to Alfonso's story? Because there's so much of his life and his career yet to be told. He's still very young.
1: <laughs> yeah, maybe. That's that's definitely something, you know, I've thought about and I've been asked about recently. And, you know, it's, I, I, it's not in the works at the moment, but I, I wouldn't rule it out either. Like, we'll see how... How Alfonso's career progresses, um, and like I said, twenty twenty six is going to be a big moment. So you know we'll see how 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 that goes with the, with the World Cup on on Canadian soil, and maybe that'll be an opportunity for a second edition, or maybe you know there's rumors about a transfer to Real Madrid and, and all mm-hmm. these things. So you know we'll have to see how Alfonso's career progresses. But yeah, that's definitely something I, I'd love to do if it if it makes sense down the road.
0: No, of course, and as someone who worked, who's worked in Vancouver, worked with the Whitecaps. I mean, how cool is it to see that in, what, just 10 years? You're going to have the Women's World Cup, which I covered as well, and see the Men's World Cup take place in Toronto and Vancouver because we mentioned Canada making a World Cup. That was, for so many, it was a pipe dream. The idea of Canada hosting World Cup games not long ago, three years. Oh, gosh, saying that sounds... <laughs> Time is flying. In just three years, you're going to have Men's World Cup games in bc place as someone who worked right in the bc soccer scene has it sunk in for you far and you're gonna get world cup games in vancouver british columbia
1: <laughs> yeah yeah it's gonna be awesome i remember watching the the women's team in 2015 and just like what was it like 55 60 000 people you know in that stadium it was just you know one of the one of the coolest kind of sporting events i've, I've ever been a part of i i'm sure people in edmonton were a bit you know sour that edmonton you know didn't get didn't get games yeah. in the end but uh, Vancouver almost didn't didn't either to be honest with you so I'm glad they kind of got back into into the running um yeah that, that's gonna be really cool um it's gonna be interesting to see what the Canadian team looks like I'm I'm sure the entire country is going to rally around it um you know I'm sure there'll be games in Toronto um I'm, I'm sure there'll be games in, in Vancouver so yeah to mm-hmm. see Alfonso and the, and the national team in a World Cup in Vancouver yeah it's um yeah three years away I I, I can't
0: wait no, of, of course. And we I know speaking of uh, games in Canada, I gotta mention, of course, you know, uh the Ice Teca games, which were some of the coolest games in my life to ever cover. Pretty sure I still have frostbite from those nights covering those <laughs> games, but yeah. um just, just watching Alfonso, just seeing him being able to play a match for Team Canada in Edmonton Commonwealth Stadium. That's what you of course to be able to document as well. Like it was a surreal moment because I don't even know if Alfonso thought that could have been a thing not too long ago and just the entire stadium for him and wanting to do so well. And then, and then see Canada get two big wins on the mm-hmm. road to qualification on the road to the world cup in Edmonton. Like those two games were surreal moments for the entire country for him.
1: They were. Yeah. I actually, I made it out there for the, for the first game, the Costa Rica game, <laughs> not the, not the Ice Tech uh, Mexico game, but um, that was pretty cool just to see like the, the city I thought really rallied around the team and obviously rallied around Alfonso. Like there was, you know billboards everywhere. You know Canada red everywhere, and yeah, just to see the turnout and and like you said, in, in that kind of weather, like um, like you said off the top, like Edmonton has really you know really embraced Alfonso mm-hmm. as uh, as their own. He's you know obviously embraced the city, and that was his first ever um professional game in Edmonton, which is pretty cool. The first time his parents you know saw him play in in a number of years too. So, um, yeah, I'm glad I made it out for that. I'm glad you know Canada got the the two wins and. You know, hopefully there's more games in Edmonton
0: to come in, in the future. No, hopefully. I mean, hey, that'd be maybe one day we can finally get a Bob Byron game in Edmonton. I know people yeah. talk about the idea of Bayern really playing a friendly in Edmonton, I think. Or, you know, or maybe if there is a transfer to Real Madrid, a Real game in Edmonton. I think, I think we would be awesome to see Alfonso play a professional club match in Commonwealth one day if it can happen somehow.
1: Yeah, that's a cool idea. Yeah, I, you know what? there's been some big games there in the past <laughs> um yeah you're seeing i mean Bayern makes it makes uh, you know usually they go to the states every summer so for a kind of a preseason you know tour so maybe they can you know, at a, at a stop in, in Canada on the, on the
0: list. No, nah, hopefully, hopefully. That would be great to see. And of course, you know, there's so many stories, I mentioned on the top, there's so many stories of game soccer dimension. Like, we would you like to do some more projects for each other players because there's so much more talent coming up that are among the next wave and there are players among who play alongside Alfonso whose stories deserve to be told as much as Alfonso's are. For sure, n- no doubt. And yeah, I-, I love to
1: kind of tell those stories. I-, I think part of the reason why, you know, this one made a lot of sense is just because of, because of my background with Alfonso. Mm-hmm. Like, I, yes. I worked with him for three years you know i know i knew the people close to him i had contacts you know you know at his you know his school and his agency and and things like that so um you know this one just felt you know felt right because if if you're gonna write a book like you have to really be know you know you have to know the material but you have to be passionate about it and for me like all all those things lined up so you know if there was another story like that 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 made sense for me and and i and i thought i could tell the story and and tell it well, yeah, I'd be happy to do that because, like you said, there are a lot of great stories. Even, you know, someone like Ali Ahmed in Vancouver, like, um, mm. I think, you know, I see a big future for him. So, um, yeah, I guess we'll have to wait and see. No,
0: exactly. Before I go, for it, I'll let you go. I'll let you plug all your content, where people will find you, uh, your social handles. This is your platform time to plug anything else you're working on that's coming up, possibly.
1: Yeah, yeah. The best place to follow me is on, on Twitter, uh, at Farhan Devji, F-A-R-H-A-N-D-E-V-J-I, or I guess it's called x but um, we're, yes. we're, we're, we're gonna call it Twitter um right? still. So yeah, you know, or my website, farhanded.com. Um yeah, you'll find all the links to the book and, and things like that um on on those platforms. So yeah, that's the best way to do it. And and one thing I'll add too is that um, you know, a portion of each sale for the book will be donated to the UN refugee agency, um, which is the same organization that that helped Alfonso as a young kid. They help, you know, vulnerable refugees around the world. So um yeah, I'm glad we were able to to do that.
0: No, of course. That's amazing. And again, the book, Afonso Davies, A New Hope. It's an amazing read. I loved every chapter of it. Farhan, it was a blast talking to you. Hopefully we can do it again sometime, buddy. Thank you, buddy, for coming on. April yeah, Sports yeah. Show. Thanks
1: again. Yeah, for sure. Thanks again for having me. I uh, awesome. really enjoyed it. Thanks,
0: Farhan.